We've been speaking for a few weeks on the house of God. In Hebrews, the 12th chapter, we're going to read, uh, starting in verse 18, to set the, uh, set the stage for the message this morning. And the title of the message is, An Innumerable Company of Angels. Because that's the next description that the Apostle Paul gives of the church of God. An innumerable company of angels. So I want to start reading in Hebrews 12. Let's get our text in front of us. We're going to read verse 18 and on down. Hebrews 12 and 18. For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched, and that burned with fire, and unto blackness, and darkness, and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. As you know, this is a reference to Mount Sinai, where God gave the law to Moses. All the people heard that. All of the people initially heard God talking as he came down on Mount Sinai. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with the dark. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But ye are come unto Mount Zion, Sion, Sion. You remember that the literal, the alliteration of that is something that you see that's conspicuous. Mount Sion. And unto the city of the living God. The heavenly Jerusalem, which is what we talked about last week, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. So we want to talk today about an innumerable company of angels. What in the world does that mean? And I admit that to some degree or another, there is a level of speculation that comes in but then there, is, there are also some very concrete things that we can see that God intended for us to understand on what that means. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about Mount Sion, Mount Zion. That's a description of the church of God. And you remember that Mount Zion in the Old Testament was the place where God's people could, could, uh, could connect the closest with God at the temple. And the high priest went into the Holy of Holies. Now, praise God, Jesus, our high priest, has entered heaven itself, which was the, the real, uh, that was the reality of the Holy of Holies that was just a figure on the earth. Jesus has entered into heaven itself, and therefore, today, whether you understand it fully or not, the closest place that you can connect and worship to God is the church of God. Now, the reason I, my mind is so stirred on this is because whether whether to, to whatever degree it has affected you and affected me, some more than others. The church of God has suffered over the last year and a half. You may think about the churches that have been forbidden to, to worship in California. There's still fights going on regarding that, uh, legal battles going on regarding that. There's a recall election next week of their governor that has a lot to do with the fact that he overstepped the bounds of the law and and forbidding people to worship they could go to a bar and they could go and gather in certain places but you're forbidden to go to worship i mean that's the most that's as obvious as the nose on your face and so to whatever degree in my own life and in your own life if we will admit it to some degree or another our connection with the church of god has been injured in the last year and a half two years i've said there's some people that will Sadly, some children of God that may never make it back to church across the world. I'm not just talking about here, but in general, they may never make it back. So I feel a tremendous burden to help us understand and regain and recapture and be re-energized towards what the church of God is. 
Because whether you realize it or not, I mean, I could stand up here all day long and say this is the most important thing that, that you do each week. It's the most important thing that you do each week. Why? Why is it the most important thing that you do each week? And remember this. I've said this before, and I'm not going to stop talking about this. If we go anywhere, if we go to work, if we go to a crowded restaurant, if we go to a football game like we did on Friday night, if we go anywhere... It is disingenuine, and it is casting a stumbling block in front of our brothers and our sisters if we do not go into the assembly of the saints. Now, somebody who's in a high-risk category or taking care of somebody who's in a high-risk category, and they're not going anywhere, they're having their groceries delivered, and they're just completely isolating, I get that. But if we go anywhere, we must go to the church of God. And remember last week, The whole thrust of chapter 7 down through 12 is the assembly of the saints. And the the assembly means in person together. And my goodness, as a minister of the gospel, across the world, Satan has had his way in this area. So my little pitiful little message here this morning to rage against the machine and to push back against the darkness. You say, well, what difference could that make? I hope it makes a difference for you. And maybe this morning, if you've never understood or heard the significance of the church of God, well then, praise God, if you have a revival in your own heart this morning, praise God. It'll be by the glory and the grace of God and the Spirit of God, not because of my efforts. So we see how the Apostle Paul says that if you want to connect to God and worship, it's in the public assembly of the saints. It's not Facebook Live. It's not uh, listening to a podcast, it is in the public assembly of the saints. So, what does it mean where he says an innumerable company of angels? Well, I think, if you'll, if you'll hang with me, we're going to basically ask three questions about this and, and hopefully answer them. The three questions, very simple questions, and I uh, hope it makes sense. What does it mean? What does he mean when he says we're in the presence of an innumerable company of angels? And how does it work is the second question. And the third question is why is it important? We hope to answer those three questions when we look at this. All right, first of all, let's think about what the word angel means. Now, there's no question that there's some places in the word of God that he is directly referring to, the, to a minister. You can read that in the Revelation that he's referring to pastor, teachers. But the great majority of the references to angel or angels in the Word of God has to do with those that are employed and created and employed by God. And the root word it is where we have our word deputy. <laughs> you think about a sheriff and he sends out his deputy. The root word of deputy means to be dispatched. Okay? So instead of the sheriff going out, he dispatches a deputy to go and handle a situation. That is the root word of what an angel means. So these angels, if you will, are like the, the, not like, but are the deputies of God. We, we joke around our county and I work, you know, in the legal system. And when I see the sheriff come and I call him the high sheriff, it's just an old uh, reference to sheriff from way back, you know, probably from over in uh, England. But I say, Hi, there comes the high sheriff. Well, the high sheriff doesn't always go out and do the one-on-one work. He sends a deputy. He dispatches deputies to do that. And if you want to think about the angels of God, that's what they are. They are deputies of God. They're not these little chubby-looking little things with wings that sit on the mantles of a lot of people's houses that are cute and and fluffy-looking, you know. These angels of God, I think that's kind of ironic that anybody would think about that in terms of an angel. Because these angels are fierce 
They are fierce warriors of God, the deputies of God. You might even think about it like this. They are the bodyguards of God. And it's kind of funny because, you know, God doesn't need a bodyguard. But he still created these angels to do his bidding. It's not that he can't get to things. And it's not that he is is limited in some way. But in the mind of God, he saw fit to create these deputies that would do his bidding. Bodyguards. I'll never forget. Several years ago... We went to several Daly and Vincent concerts. My kids already know where I'm going with this. And I had it in my mind. You know, I'm a little bit crazy sometimes. And I had, we love to sing Daly and Vincent songs around the house. And so we, this was at Sanford, my old stomping grounds up there at Sanford University. It was at the big facility they have there, the big amphitheater, not amphitheater, the big concert hall. And so we went in there and heard the concert. And after it was over, we went to visit with Daly and Vincent. And I saw that they had you know, these bodyguards, you know, standing close by. And I had it in my head, I'm going to get the girls up there, we're going to get their autograph, and they're going to sing just a little clip of a song for Daly and Vincent. That's how crazy I am. And, you know, my kids were so excited to do that. (laughs) You know, and so I got them up there, they got the autograph, and then I I said, okay, girls, now sing, sing, sing. (laughs) And and I could feel the bodyguards just inching a little bit closer. (laughs) Hey, we we got a crazy man here. And sadly, I wish I could tell you that they all just melted in the beauty of the song, but I, I pitched it wrong, and it was probably the most awful thing you've ever heard in your life. They're probably sitting on a bus somewhere today thinking, y'all remember those two little girls? And Dad pitched that way off key. That sounded horrible. <laughs> but they did it. Praise God, they, they did what their dad said. Even if it was off key, <laughs> that was my fault. I pitched it. And so I was, I was breaking out in a cold sweat as they were singing. I was thinking, this is awful. And these bodyguards are fixing to body slam me, you know? <laughs> So it's like, okay, we're done. Bye. See you. <laughs> you know, if you get around some celebrity or you get around, um, and those guys, I'd put them on the lower end of celebrity, wouldn't you? Think about the Hollywood stars or the politicians. They got bodyguards. Well, the Lord's got bodyguards. Not that he needs them, but he's got them. And they do his bidding. They're the dispatched. They are the deputies of God. Some of you may have read the Frank Peretti novels. Uh, the, the little trilogy that he wrote that's fictionalized. I mean, it, it's like carrying this way beyond what the Word of God tells us, but it's some, it's some very good Christian fiction to read. It talks about the battles between the angels and the demons that can't be seen by the people of God down on the ground who are trying to do right. And specifically in this present darkness, it's a, it's a pastor in a small town and there's a lot of wickedness going on in the small town. And you'll, you'll get the perspective of the pastor and the temptations that he's facing and the discouragement that he's facing. And then you'll get the perspective of the angels that are watching over him and how they're interacting and fighting against the demons that are trying to, and they're not going to get him and cast him into hell. That's not what the, the deal is. They can't do that. But the devil can wreak havoc on your life now. (laughs) He cannot wreak havoc on your eternal life. But he can wreak havoc on your life now. Uh, Also, maybe you've read C.S. Lewis, The Screwtape Letters. One of my favorite C.S. Lewis works. It it looks at the negative side. It looks at the, the demon side of the unseen world. I've told you before that there's been times when my loved ones have passed away, my grandmother specifically, and I was watching as she took her last breath and I, I just looked around and thinking, well, maybe I'll see one of those angels that have been sent to carry her soul home to heaven like Lazarus. His spirit was carried home to heaven when he died in the New Testament. Lazarus the beggar. So in the Old Testament, there's 117 references to angel or angels. Some of those references are to Jesus Christ, a, a pre-incarnation appearances of Jesus in the Old Testament. But many of those references are to actual angels. That God has dispatched as a deputy to go and do something. 
The first place that uh, angels occurs is in Genesis 16 where he speaks of, of Hagar. You may think about Genesis 19 where the two angels went to Sodom. Genesis 28 and 12, which is where we're going to spend some time. That's where Jacob saw the angels of God ascending and descending the ladder. Uh, our time is short this morning, so I won't belabor this. But you, in the Psalms, you think about the Psalm and the song that we sing too. That God's angels encampeth round them that fear him. Psalm 104 and 4 says that the angels are ministering spirits. The Apostle Paul repeats that in Hebrews 1 and 13. It is a direct reference to the deputies of God. Because Paul says, to which of the angels said God at any time to sit on my right hand? Are they not the angels, all ministering spirits, sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? There's all kinds of references to and more references to angels in the New Testament than the Old. You may think of in the early parts of the gospel where the angel Gabriel appears to Zacharias, appears to Mary, appears to Joseph. When Jesus was tempted, the angel appeared, an angel appeared to him and ministered to him there in the wilderness. Jesus himself said the angels are like reapers. At the end of time, they will reap the souls like somebody harvesting a crop. They will reap the souls of God's people and the bodies of God's people from the earth. See, they have great, great authority under God. Remember what Jesus said whenever the the Roman soldiers were coming to get him? He said, put your sword up. He said, don't you know that I could call 12 legions of angels down? He He says, I could call my bodyguards down and they would wipe out this world. The the angels of God, one angel of God in the Old Testament wiped out 185,000 in an army in one night. If you do the math on that, you can see how easily a legion or 12 legions of angels could wipe out the population of the earth if they chose to. Do the math on that sometime. It's interesting. One of of our brothers preached on that one time. Maybe Brother Luke. So you see angels are all throughout the Word of God. In, In Matthew 28 and 2, It says a powerful angel came down and rolled back the stone of the tomb where Jesus was laid. It wasn't Jesus. Maybe you've seen some movies where Jesus, they may show him fictionally, you know, moving back. A powerful angel came down and rolled the stone back. You remember the lady said, who shall roll away the stone for us? It was an angel. And it was angels that were sitting there that said, why seek ye the living among the dead? All throughout the word of God, you have angels. It was an angel that set Peter free in prison that night, bumped him on his side, said, get up. And loosen the, the doors of the prison, loosen the locks and the chains of the prison. And Peter walked out. They, they boosted Peter from prison and he walked out a free man. It was an angel that appeared to Cornelius, the first Gentile like you and I that ever heard the gospel. Revelation 22 speaks about Jesus signifying the message of Revelation to his angel. <laughs> Angels are all throughout the word of God. Now, I will say this. This is probably the, the least attended Worship service by angels today because we're talking about angels more, saying more about angels than we are about Jesus. So, what does it mean? What does it mean when he says, You are come to an innumerable company of angels? Well, the key to that is understood what he puts in, in what we read this morning in Hebrews 12. You remember Mount Sinai? When the people of God viewed Mount Sinai, it was scary, it was, they were terrified. Because Mount Sinai, that's also where God appeared in the form of the burning bush to Moses. And Moses brings the people back to Mount Sinai. That's where they get the law. And the Lord said, in three days, I will come down to the mountain and I will speak to the people. Not just to Moses, but to the people. And so when God comes down to the mountain, it's a big deal. And so 
I believe, and I think it's proved by Psalm 68, 17, that when God came down and that covering of smoke was upon the mountain and there was lightning and thunder and it shook and the trumpet sounded. You remember? The trumpet sounded that morning and it got louder and louder until the people were going around just almost, ah, they couldn't hardly take it. And Moses said, I'm, I'm afraid, Lord. And the Lord stopped all of that. He calmed it down. But it says if anybody went up and touched the mountain, they were going to be thrust through with a dart, with a spear, with an arrow. Psalm 68, 17 says the chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them as in Mount Sinai. You, did you catch that? It was the chariots of God. It was the angels of God. It's the bodyguard of the Lord, you know, that's come down to protect as if he needed protection but i could just picture inside that smoke the people of people couldn't see that they couldn't look upon that they would have been even more terrified and inside the smoke as the chariots of god were there surrounding the area and securing the area in which the lord himself comes down and speaks to the people i could just see them the warriors of god there with their their bows pulled back or their spears held close. Anybody comes close. Even It says even a dog, a beast, a cow, a goat, a sheep, a person. Anybody that touches the mount is dead. <laughs> That's serious business, is it not? Aren't you glad that we don't come in fear to the Lord like that today? But Paul said, as it was in the days of Mount Sinai, when the Lord came down and his bodyguard, his deputies came down there, which are, it says that they are thousands of those. Thousands of them. He says, now you're come to Mount Zion, the place that you can connect with God. And if God comes down to connect with us in his spirit, then there are the angels of God present. I hope that makes sense. What does it mean? If you could see with unnatural eyes, if you could see with spiritual eyes, it's possible. And I don't want to over spiritualize this. But it's possible that if you looked around, like the servant of Elisha looked around, they were surrounded by the enemy army, and he said, Master, what shall we do? And Elisha said, Lord, open this boy's eyes so he can see what's really going on here. He can see with unnatural eyes. And he looked up in the heavens, and the chariots of God, the angels of God, were around about, the fiery chariots of God were around about the armies of the enemy. So if we could see with unnatural eyes this morning, perhaps we would see the chariots of God gathered around the service because that's what they had at Mount Sinai in the smoke. And if you wanted to connect with the Lord in the Old Testament, you go up to Mount Zion, the city of of New Jerusalem. You go up to uh, the city of God, the city of the living God, and the chariots of God would be there. You couldn't see them with a natural eye, but they were there. So how does it work? I mean, you know, think about it. Brother Tim, are you saying that because you're up there preaching that the chariots of God, the angels of God, an innumerable company of angels is going to show up? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. They don't show up for me. They don't show up for you. Genesis 28 and 12 holds the key on how this works, how they show up. If you want to turn there, we'll read very briefly. This is when Jacob was on the run out in the wilderness. It says that Jacob dreamed, Genesis 28 and 12. And in his dream, where he was asleep out there at this place, a ladder was set up on the earth. The word ladder can also be a staircase. It it comes from the root word that means to mound up. And so Jacob, in his dream, he looks and he sees, we think of it as a ladder, like a carpenter would have a ladder. And he says, when he sees this ladder, it reaches to heaven and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham. And he goes on and gives this speech there to Jacob. And when Jacob wakes up, 
It says that he was afraid. Verse 17, 16, he awaked out of his sleep. He said, surely the Lord is in this place. I knew it not. And he was afraid. And he said, how dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. You see, there was a ladder that Jacob saw. And up and down that ladder, when God came to manifest himself to Jacob, the angels of God were there. And the only access that the angels of God have between heaven and earth is this ladder. Well, what is this ladder? You know, there's a lot of mysteries in the Bible that we may never get answered until we see the Lord. And a lot of people spend a lot of time talking about mysteries that cannot be answered until we see the Lord when we ought to be talking about the things that are plain. And in John, the first chapter, Jesus makes it crystal clear what that ladder is. And this is how it ties over into us today. And this is how it works today. Jacob saw a ladder and the angels of God were going up and down on it. And God, Jehovah, was looking down from the top of that ladder in heaven. And he said, this is the gate of heaven. I'm afraid of this place. Very similar to how the people looked upon Mount Sinai and they were afraid. Thank goodness we don't have to be afraid today. In John, the first chapter, as Jesus is talking to Nathaniel, and he says, Nathaniel comes to Jesus and meets Jesus for the first time, and Jesus tells him he knows him. He saw him under the fig tree, and Nathaniel says, Rabbi, thou art the son of God. One little word, and Nathaniel was ready to follow the Lord. Think about that now. Wouldn't that be great today if it just was one little word, and God's people were primed and ready to follow the Lord? And Jesus said, because I said unto you, I saw you under the fig tree, you believe? He says, thou shalt see greater things than these. And he said, verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter, ye shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon, what does it say? A ladder? It says upon the son of man. You want to know what that ladder is that Jacob saw? It is Jesus Christ. The only access that we have between heaven and earth is Jesus Christ. There's only one mediator between God and man. That's why I read that whole account right there for you. So it it ends up with him saying that we are come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, an innumerable company of angels, to Jesus, the mediator, the ladder between heaven and earth. And the angels of God ascend and descend. You know what that means? It means wherever Jesus goes, the angels of God go. So if Jesus comes and graces us with his presence through the spirit of God, you can think of it as though a ladder, Jesus, the ladder has descended and the angels of God, his bodyguard, his deputies come with him. So child of grace with unnatural eyes and by the eye of faith this morning, if you could see and if Jesus truly is here this morning, if the spirit of God is with us, which I hope and believe that he is. If you could see by the eye of faith, you would see the angels of God dispatched and gathered round. How does it work? Jesus. You say, was it you, Brother Tim, that draws the angels of God? No, it's Jesus. If he comes in worship, it's Jesus is what draws the angels of God. In Matthew, the 18th chapter, we answer the final question. Why is it important? Why is it important that we understand? Why did Paul tell us this? Because I don't know if you're like me, but I kind of fixate on things. I start thinking, well... You know, are they there? Are they there? Are they there? I mean, you know, maybe I just pointed to an angel. That's kind of, I kind of fixate on stuff like that. I hope I don't offend any of these warrior angels. You know, I fixate on stuff like that. Why is it important? Here's why it's important. Matthew 18. At the same time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? And Jesus called a little child unto them. And he said, except you be converted and become as as this little child, as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of God. 
Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But if you offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Now I want to go on down to verse 10. Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. Watch now. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. You understand, that does not necessarily mean that an angel is assigned to each child of God. You know, you, you, there was a show that was on Highway to Heaven many years ago. It was a very popular show. Michael Landon starred in it. And it was about him being this do-good angel that goes around and does good. It doesn't mean that every child of God has an angel assigned to them. But we can't miss the very literal statement that Jesus made. That the little ones, their angels do always behold the face of my Father. Now this is Brother Tim's embellishment and how I envision that. They're talking about offenses. And to offend one of these little ones, it is as if the angels of God, with their hand on their sword, ready to draw their sword, are looking at the face of God, waiting for God to say, go. You understand that? Somebody's abusing a child, hurting a child. It it doesn't necessarily mean a crime. But even for all of God's children, if God's children are being hurt or God's children are being misused or treated unfairly or or things are just not going right and things are against them, it is as if the angel of God is looking at God's face and saying, you want me to go? Are you ready? Just give me the word and I'll go. Is that not a picture, an image that we could see of Christ on the cross when he said, I could call 12 legions of angels down right now and dispatch all of this that's against me. Don't you know they were sitting there with their hands on their swords just waiting for God to say, go, do away with these Romans, do away with these, uh, these Pharisees, do away with Pontius Pilate. But praise be to God, that was not the plan of the Lord. <laughs> if he had dispatched the angels and done away with everyone and Jesus comes down off the cross and didn't do what he did, then we have no hope of glory. We have no hope. We would face the lake of fire one day and pay for our own sins. God held back his bodyguard so that he would suffer during those moments on the cross so that we would be saved from our sins. That takes some restraint, doesn't it? There have been a few times, you know, if me personally, if I could call, if I had a bodyguard angel and I could call him in, I'd do it just like that. Lord, dispatch this and have it gone from me. Because I'm weak like that. But Jesus was not weak. You see, the Lord wants us to know that his church is that important. That if the Spirit of God, and we should be begging the Lord for the Spirit of God to come down. And if His Spirit shows up at church, the house of the Lord, Mount Sion, Mount Sion, the city of the living God. If the Lord shows up at His church, the Apostle Paul was inspired to tell us, like Mount Sinai, but not near as scary. The angels of God come down with the ladder of God, the mediator, Jesus Christ, to spend time with the people of God. You know, yesterday was the 20th anniversary of what happened in 20 years ago on 9-11. I remember the kids were asking me yesterday, where were you, Daddy? I remember exactly where I was. I remember exactly what I was doing when those wicked men attacked our nation. Now, you understand, it's more than just, it is a national thing. We should, we should take great offense that somebody attacked on our, our soul. Somebody attacked our people. Almost 3,000 were killed. But I don't know if you know this or not. I'm fascinated with the stories of the different... And you could spend a lifetime reading about the stories of a couple that come to mind. You know that there were eight children, the youngest of which was a a two-and-a-half-year-old that were killed in 9-11. 
when the terrorists flew those machines into the Pentagon, into the World Trade Centers, and even into the field out there in Pennsylvania. There were eight children. That's amazing to me that it was just eight of all those many people that were on those planes. One, the youngest of those was Christine Lee Hansen, two and a half years old. And she was with her parents on her first plane flight, flying to Los Angeles to go to Disneyland. <laughs> two and a half years old. How excited that young girl must have been. He said, what does that have to do with the day? It makes me think of Jesus speaking that the angels do always behold their face, the face of their father. You imagine when that plane went down and that poor little two and a half year old girl was incinerated with her parents. Just incinerated. That was, uh, that was flight 175 that crashed into the second tower. It's even believed, according to the grandfather, that the son, the parent of this, of Christine Lee Hansen, was on the phone with the grandfather when it actually crashed into the building. <laughs> or there's also Dana and Zoe who were with their parents on Flight 77 that crashed into the Pentagon. And they were with their parents on a 25-hour flight to Australia. The mother was taking some kind of fellowship at a school over there, and they were about an hour and a half into that flight when Flight 77 crashed into the Pentagon. <laughs> you know, things like that, we don't, we don't see the spiritual realm, but I, it, it brings me great comfort to think that the angels of God took the souls and the spirits of those little children to behold the face of their father when wicked men wickedly destroyed their lives and cut their lives short. Does that not bring you great comfort? That's the purpose of the angels of God is to protect and defend and carry to heaven the spirits of God's children. And if I could convince you, if I really could convince you here today, hey, when you go up to church, when you go to Mount Zion, when you go to the city of the living God, you're going to be in the presence of the Son of God, the Spirit of God, and an innumerable company of angels. Thousands upon thousands. If I could really convince if you could just catch a glimpse of that, if you could just, for one flash of a moment, there's one. Oh my goodness. Let me ask you this question. Would you ever miss church again? You would not. If you could just catch one glimpse of one angel, you would never miss church again. I'm telling you here today, based on the authority of the Word of God, they're here. If Jesus is here and the Spirit of God is amongst them, they are here. And as much as I'd like to see an angel, I'll trade up 10,000 and thousands of angels just to see the face of the Son of God. And child of grace, if this is the closest that you can get in the public, present assembly of the saints of God, if it's the closest that you can get to see the face of God, why would you ever miss church again? Why would you ever miss the public assembly of the saints of God? And the devil has had his way with the public assembly of the saints of God for a year and a half or more now. I say in my heart and in, from the word of God, no more for the God's children. No more for you. No more for me. No more letting Satan have his way and diminishing the importance and the understanding of what we do when we come to the place that we connect with God the closest in public worship. If that's how you feel today, then what doth hinder you from being baptized? May the Lord bless us throughout this next week.